Hey, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode 72. I'm your host, Amy Souter, with Produce Market Guide, or PMG for short, and The Packer, two trade publications in the fresh produce industry. This week, we talk with Shay Myers, CEO of Owyhee Produce in Nyssa, Oregon, and Parma, Idaho. He's also known for his short explainer reels as Shay Farm Kid on TikTok and Instagram. Shay provides some insight on how the logistics and delays are going now since some retail produce and staff shortages started shortly after the new year. What's still happening? And what will likely last? And what can suppliers, shippers, buyers, and produce managers do about it? He also talks about why produce companies, especially grocery retailers, should use social media to improve awareness and business. And how. It doesn't have to be all glossy and perfect. The clincher? Just do it and keep doing it. Now let's hear the details straight from Shay. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for doing it uh, from your car with some dedication. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. <laughs> um so the heater's on it's nice yeah <laughs> of course we follow a lot of uh your posts on social media and you're really good at, at grabbing attention and explaining things and quick snippets and when i was writing about the retail shortages um and the quality being kind of not the way it normally is in produce departments at least a week or two ago um i came across your explanations which was also helpful we wanted to just do an update on what was happening because you had mentioned some of this relating to storms between christmas and new years and there being like a, a week lag i'm wondering is a lot of this becoming resolved or what's the status do you think i mean if you base it on freight rates it is getting resolved um, from a price standpoint the pricing between basically christmas time you know the, the week after christmas and the week after new year's we saw about a 70 percent increase in the cost of our freight that number has probably is probably 80 percent back you know it's, it's back in the realm of normality i mean mind you the normality of the covid era but it is back to where you can find trucks, the, the rates in general make sense again. And I think we're replenishing the shelves. I think there's a lot of backlog. So the, the issues will continue for some time. I think if you, you know, were to search for a hashtag empty shelves or something on, on uh, Twitter or Instagram, you would still see plenty of pictures and you know, concern about that. But I think we're well on our way to correcting that problem right now. Yeah, we got a lot of comments when we solicited people across the country about were they seeing anything different in their store shelves. And we did hear from a lot of people that they were. And I don't think it was widespread. And I don't know if it was you, but someone was saying a lot of produce managers were doing a great job of arranging it so that it didn't look as empty. Right. And that was not me, but I have heard that commentary and it does make sense. I mean, you, you do what you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you, in, at least a week or two ago or now, need to kind of offer alternative products to anyone if you were short on something or not really? You have all your skins. Yeah, for us, everything was normal. I mean, we were able to ship all sizes and colors. It was more delays. So we did do some interesting things, buying from different growing districts just to try and save a couple, two or three days on freight, that kind of thing, so that we would leave those store shelves empty for less time. So basically, does it look like it's it's calming down then-ish? Yeah, I mean, I, calming down. Yeah, I mean, for, for the era that we live in, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 
I, I mean, the, the transportation issue is going to continue for years to come. It's going to continue to be challenging and I would think understaffed. Uh, the November numbers, however, were as far as new carriers beginning to, uh, well, new carriers getting approval for carrying freight was the highest it had been in several years. So drivers are deciding or people are deciding to either start driving trucks or get back in their trucks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do, I think, with the financial reward. It's, 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 I mean, it's a six-figure job to drive a truck across the country now. So uh, I think that's, that is calling people back into the driver's seat so that they, you know, they can take advantage of that opportunity. It's not an easy job. It's, and and it's it's not something that a, a lot of people uh, uh, want to do. They're also concerned about the automation that's coming. I, at least when I talk to younger guys, one of their fears is, well, I'm going to learn how to drive a truck and I'm going to get down my career. I'm going to have some seniority. I'm going to have the lane that I want. But then, you know, automation is going to come along and take my job away in five years. I think that's I think that's coming, but I don't know that five years is really the number. Might be more like 10 or more, but I guess uh, time will tell. Oh, the, the self-driving automobiles? That kind yes. of thing. Yeah, that kind yeah. Of. yeah, I guess if you wanted to get into a career, if if it's possible within 10 years, that's not that long. Like if you put in all that time. Right. Uh, as far as you're just paying back to the COVID era amount, um, which I can't imagine it being 70% or so over that because it's already insane compared to a couple. Yeah. Of years so, ago. yeah. So what we've seen is about a 70% increase from before COVID. Uh, and then, you know, then during the, the, the chaos of the last, you know, 40 days or whatever, right after Christmas, 30 days, um, you know, we saw a 70% hit on top of that. So we're freight rates are still almost double what they were before COVID, but that that's not a function. I don't think it's, it's not COVID. That's the, the culprit here. Although there is a lot more, uh, commerce being traded, right. All these dollars that have stayed domestically in the United States, we see that on, on pressure on lumber and, uh, you know, housing, uh, materials and, you know, all of the domestic goods that the pressure has, uh, or the supply has not met the demand. So obviously we're moving potentially, I mean, it looks like we're moving more commerce around the United States in general, more products around the United States, uh, an already limited number of trucks have that much more to move. And then you throw e-logs into that as well. And that, that any driver will tell you that e-logs significantly, um, diminish their productivity. And then one more piece of that that hasn't gone away and that won't go away right now is the lack of labor that's available at shipping point and destination. I mean, that's a real issue. You, you, those trucks are going in to get loaded and they wait an extra couple of hours to get loaded at a lot of locations. Um, you know, we're fully staffed, so it hasn't been as bad here, but the drivers tell me constantly that they're waiting two or three times longer than normal to get loaded. And the same thing's happening on the destination end. When they get to the DC or they're on loading point, they're waiting for two or three long times longer there. So that again diminishes the capacity of the trucks that are yeah. on yeah. the road. When I was talking to retailers about labor shortages, they were mentioning it's not just their staff in the store, it's at the DC centers, the warehouses, stuff like that. Uh, of course, truck right. drivers too. So you're still seeing that. Um, so that yeah. kind of will delay things a little bit indefinitely. Right, right. I mean, that's not something we have a solution for. Just like we don't have a solution for getting more drivers on the road or more trucks on the road, we don't really have a solution for the labor constraints or challenges that we have, you know, domestically either. How far do your onions and your other produce go? We'll be in the lower 48, where it'll be in every state. Um, you know, the majority of our onions go to the population hub, just like everything else. So we'll have a lot in the southeast and the northeast. We do a lot of business in Texas uh, and Florida specifically. Hmm. But uh, you should be able to find our onions in 
almost every state, I think. Although, I mean, we probably won't be in Alaska. If we are in Alaska, I don't know how we get there because we don't ship there directly. <laughs> and Hawaii is one that we don't get to either. Uh, some Canadian business and for sure some Mexican business as well. Yeah, I was wondering if if you're dealing with any kind of uh, crossing border or truck like vaccine mandates for truckers to go across country borders and things like that. Is that affecting all I've heard are, you? All I've heard are complaints. I haven't seen personally felt any issues or, or seen any ramifications that doesn't mean that they're not there um you know there's there's lots of reporting on it but for us uh, specifically we haven't noticed it good for you right yeah 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 i'm sure it's not for somebody else though so it's just this, you no know, it, yeah 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 we're hearing a lot of pain people are going through about that um yeah is there anything more that you think people need to know about uh getting things through the supply chain recently um or what you think might happen going forward? Yeah, no, I mean, you spoke to the lag in the supply chain, like from the shelf life standpoint, I think that is something that, uh, especially on my social channels that I hear a lot of commentary on, like, hey, how come my onions are only good for three days now? And they used to be good for two weeks? Or, uh, hey, why am I seeing mold in the grocery store or that kind of thing? That is, is a relatively new thing that we're up against trying to maximize the shelf life and reduce the transit time and all the delays. Unfortunately, I don't see a solution for that in the short term either, just trying to be as innovative and proactive as we can uh, in, in the entire process. You know, the, the less time it sits on the production floor after it's being packed, the better, the less time it sits on the DC the better because the in between between shipping point and and DC that's longer and it's not going to we're not going to reduce that amount of time in the near future so we've got to figure out how to be more efficient on the the distribution the you know the last mile and uh on our end as a as a you know from a production standpoint try and build that product the day that it's leaving or as close to that as we can i know some some products have uh technology or like appeal sciences or things like that where it can improve shelf life in a um, healthy way. Is there, um, anything that you can do with onions? Not so far. We've investigated that. We're always constantly looking for, you know, alternatives. There's some things that we do when we go into storage to help extend shelf life that just, um, just some peroxide based products that'll, that'll sanitize the air essentially. Um, but from, from the time that we pack and go into the bag, there's not any other treatments you know there's some things that they for potatoes for example because it's a wet process onions are processed dry so we don't have the benefit of uh, you know really applying anything that's going to extend the shelf life at least at this juncture if someone's out there that knows of something let me know (laughs) yeah yeah i mean okay so yeah another thought i wanted to pick your brain about was um importance of using social media for uh your business, uh, you were mentioning about how you get direct feedback, like direct questions from the general public, consumers. And is, is that what fuels your your explainer uh, reels and things like that? A lot of the time, the commentary, yeah, I'll be responding to a comment or a question that someone um, points in my direction. Uh, and sometimes it's just, sometimes you're in the position based on what's happening where you're in the know and you don't realize especially those of us in the middle of the industry, whether it's a trucker, a farmer, or a packer, or an operations guy, we're in the middle and we understand and we can see the whole picture a lot more easily than someone at the back of the retail grocery store or the consumer that's going to buy their produce at the grocery store. And we just have to realize you know, what our perspective is, what our point of view is, and that it's pretty, pretty educated in comparison to someone who just shows up to buy their produce you know, in the produce department at a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah, we'll never forget. I'll never forget the 
back when you had to plow over your produce and the general public was like, why are we getting rid of produce when there's so many people hungry? And, and you explained that and it was huge. <laughs> it was right, huge right. to explain. So many people didn't understand. And even people in our industry didn't understand. So that was really critical to explain. Um, so does it help your business at all? Or is it mainly just because you want people to understand things or you want to answer questions? I mean, yeah, I don't know that it helps our business specifically, but I think it's a necessity um, to share and educate the consumer to the extent that we can. Because of that you know, disconnect, most people are at least two generations removed from the farm. Um, and, and many are four and five and six generations removed from the farm. I mean, you go back uh, to the 1940s and 50s and that, that wasn't the case, right? I mean, it would have been zero to one generations removed from the farm. And, and the more removed from something you are, the less you understand it and the less perspective that uh, you, you have inculcated in your life to, to, to really help you um, conceptualize what's happening around you. And we take that for granted, right? And we really, as, as growers and farmers, packers, people in the industry, uh, need to just take the time to, to share that. And, and I think uh, even those that are in the produce industry Lots of them are not coming from a farming background. Lots are not coming from an agricultural background. And so even the folks in the industry don't understand the subtleties and the details of what it takes to get the, the food, the produce from the field to the fork. I just feel like I, I, can't, I can't ask for more financially. I can't ask for more for a bag of onions if people don't really understand the work that's involved in the process. And I want you to know what it really takes. So when I say, hey, I really need 50 cents. Uh, more on this bag, there's less resistance because, you know, most farming operations for the last three years have been operating in the red. Um, and even when we are uh, operating in the black, we're talking, we're talking single digit returns to the farm. And so those, those we, we're, we're working and operating on very thin margins. And that means when we need that extra 50 cents, we really need that extra 50 cents. It's not about, uh, you know, lining our pockets or, or doubling our income. It's, it's trying to make ends meet. And, and I think those that are buying from us want to keep us as operation or as operations, as farmers viable so that we continue to have to compete with each other. And we're, we're in this, this realm of, or, or have this level of competition that keeps pricing the way that it should be. I mean, we can look at any anywhere that there's there's a lot of conglomerates or, or you know a reduction in the number of people that supply a product. What happens to the pricing? And so you know that extra twenty five or fifty cents um, might make all the difference. And that's why I, I one of the reasons you know on the LinkedIn side and the the more uh, business based side, I like to you know educate those that buy from us or might buy from us or buy produce in general of all the work that it really takes to do what we do. So when you're on LinkedIn, you're speaking more to people within the industry or buyers, some of whom may be new to the industry. Um, and then on like, say other social media platforms, you're speaking more to consumers or the general public. Absolutely. So TikTok and Instagram tends to be more uh, consumer-based uh, and and my LinkedIn content is a lot more business to business um, type content. Now there, I find that there it's worth crossover specifically from the, the consumer-based product to LinkedIn, just because there's so many people there that don't know or understand the industry. So you'll find a mixture on LinkedIn of uh, you know consumer-directed content and business-directed content. Whereas if you go to LinkedIn, or sorry, where you, whereas if you go to Instagram or TikTok, you're going to find almost all consumer-directed content. Do you use Facebook? 
I cross post to Facebook. I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook, um, but I do. Yes. So you sound like the younger generation. Yeah. I think I just go with what's easier to get posted in a timely manner from my phone. If I do an Instagram post, it'll post to my Facebook um, as well. And and that's kind of how that's happened for me. uh, I'm documenting what I'm doing to the extent that I can on a daily basis. Um, when I find something interesting that I think people might like to learn about, I, I, I can't post uh, too many platforms. That's why you don't see me very much on Twitter. I, it just takes too long to get on every platform and post all of your content, even if it's relevant and useful. It's it's a it's a time constraint. Yeah, I was wondering if other you know, as we're encouraging people to, um, you know, explaining how this can be helpful to the industry to to speak about what you know on social media people uh, might be like i don't have any time and as it is and i can't hire a, a social media person <laughs> exclusively right. for that and i'm busy doing my job you know um so i was wondering how you ha- you just kind of um go throughout your regular day and then if something just pops up as interesting you just pop up on your phone and just do it on whatever platform makes sense and that's it exactly yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you pick, even if, if someone really wants to get started, pick a single platform and then just document what you're doing. And that can be, I mean, all aspects are interesting. It does get more and more challenging as you make more and more posts to find content that's um, valuable and interesting, right? There's only so many things that I do differently on a daily basis. So it does get harder, but regardless, there's still things that you do, you or I do every single day that tens of thousands of people would be interested in seeing and learning about. Have you ever seen any kind of, I mean, have you attracted a different buyer, a new buyer or gotten oh, yeah. any like financial interest through, oh, through this? For sure. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, that's a motivation too, besides the yeah. altruistic explaining things, you know, it's a good byproduct. It's a phenomenal byproduct. It's not, it's not <laughs> why I set out to do it in the beginning, but it's a, it's a nice perk or reward if you will, for, for making the effort. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. Not as the initial main focus goal, but as a byproduct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Any, any tips for, for people in the industry um, about doing social media that you haven't already given? You just have to do it. I mean, that's the biggest thing you have to do it. Um, being consistent and making sure that you do it. And if you can do that much, that's probably what would set you apart from 70 or 80% of the uh, competition out there, if you will, is just creating content in general, not perfect content, not, not super funny or super educational or, you know, with beautiful scenes and all of those things, all of that adds to the potential virality of a video. But, uh, if you don't post the videos in the first place, even the boring ones, it, you're not going to have any reach. And is there something that you would like retail buyers to, to understand more? what's going on today or? Absolutely. That's a good question. I mean, I, I couldn't have I set up that question better. I think retail is missing the boat on the ability to educate their consumer about where their food comes from. There is huge interest, interest like there has never been in probably probably living memory. There's more interest in where food comes from, how it's grown, what the process is. And people are all over the internet looking for that. But the, the retailer's are not partnering with or pairing 
with anyone to share that information. It's mm-hmm. all it's all in these separate silos. So Shay's over here creating content about where these onions come from. Um, Retailer X is over here in their silo saying, hey, this is how, and they'll send someone out to do a video maybe to show where their onions come from or something. But it's it's one time and it's it, it, it comes off as a, as a commercial, as a promotion instead of a story. I, I'm really surprised that I haven't seen a retailer partner with someone like myself, honestly, and, and help you know, it's like influencer marketing. I mean, that's really what it, this would be. But like, hey, I, I'm telling the story every day. I'm not asking for exclusive rights to sell retailer X their onions. But why wouldn't you help promote that story? Because it, it legitimizes the supply that you have. The onions in your store are there and the consumer can go click on your website and see that video about where that came from and how it was grown and how it was harvested and how it was packed and how it was shipped. It just hasn't happened. I haven't seen anyone execute well on it yet wow that is a big opportunity gap there it seems like obvious now that you say it it seems extremely obvious but no one is doing it and and i think there's some concern for okay um you know pick a national retailer for example um i may supply that national retailer but i don't supply every store um and then on the other hand there's there's i'm i'm one of maybe 10 shippers growers who supply that national retailer so does the other does the do the other growers feel alienated by the fact that Shay and the Waikiki Produce are getting highlighted and they're not? I would say if we're promoting onions and promoting farming, we're all winning. I, I can't supply all the onions for a national chain anyway myself. So if if I can do a good job promoting what I do to those regions, and heck, with with the ability to do targeted marketing, we could pick just the DCs that I already shipped to right? I can pick a state or a region or a locale or a city that is guaranteed to be a uh, Owyhee Produce Onions and tell the story just there and see what the results are and see what the reaction is. But to this day, not, it's, I haven't seen it happen. Mm, I think we just hit something here. Hit on something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks for, for doing this, regardless of Wi-Fi challenges. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm uh, glad I found a spot on a hillside where I have good service. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Hey, everyone. That wraps it up for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear on this tip of the iceberg podcast, please take a moment to hit that subscribe button, rate us and type out a quick review and whatever platform you use to listen to tip of the iceberg. And remember, this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more on our websites, which is also sent through our email newsletters. And there's also text alerts. So remember, there's ProduceMarketGuide.com and there's also ThePacker.com. So don't forget to check those out as well. Plus our print editions, The Packer every two weeks and Produce Market Guide PMG Magazine every other month. As far as our podcast, I also want to remind you to enjoy our earlier episodes. I doubt you have time to listen to everything constantly. So if you missed something, it could really help you. Last week, we talked with Mike Mowdy of Executolytics on how the Toronto area's produce retail market is managing these days. And the week before, we chat with Zach Carlin of Bolthouse Farms about how the U.S. carrot deal is going. And we'll have more of those great conversations from the industry each week. Thank you so much for your support. I hope you learned something useful and inspirational and have a wonderful week. Bye.